Okay, I'm unmuted now. I just got done praying. We're going to, we'll close in prayer in a little bit and uh, I'll reiterate a lot of the same stuff that I prayed for. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what I want to just to recap a little bit about what is the what is the gospel. Uh, one of the reasons why we want to do this study is because there's a number of people who don't know how to articulate the gospel. Um, there's a number of people who um, uh, who and, and these people claim to be Christians, but they cannot articulate what the gospel is. They they don't know how to share the gospel with their friends and with their lost family members. They don't know um, uh, uh, what what the Bible actually says about it. And so we want to take the time and actually look explicitly at what the gospel is. Uh, we 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 want to break it down piece by piece, and 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 that way you can be encouraged by it. Hopefully, my challenge for you is to be able to articulate the gospel within sixty seconds. Man, I know that's a challenge. I know you're probably like oof, but if you can articulate the gospel in sixty seconds, you know it, and it's possible you can do it. And maybe at the end of this series, I'll do it for you. But if you can articulate the gospel in sixty seconds, you know it. Um, but, but that's not, I mean, that there, there's no, like, you know, you have to be able to do that. There's nothing like that. But here we're going to break it down in four ways. We're going to look at God, man, Christ response. Okay. So we're going to look at God. We're going to look at man. We're going to look at Christ. We're going to look at the response and that's it. That's the gospel. But tonight we're going to look at the overview of it. So we're going to look at it, God, man, Christ response tonight. And then starting next Wednesday, we're going to look at God, the Wednesday after man, the Wednesday after Christ, the Wednesday after response. Okay. So if you will, Romans 1, 16 through 17, we're going to camp out in the book of Romans to, uh, this evening. Uh, this is where we're going to actually, it's, it's really going to be more in the first four chapters, but we're going to pull a couple verses from chapter five and from chapter six. This isn't your typical uh, verse by verse expositional Bible study, um, but but this is very important for us uh, that we need to understand what the gospel is. And and this is a time that that we that we live in that that, that this is more important than ever. Uh, and to be quite honest, the most important thing you really should know as believers is the gospel. It's crazy. We can we can talk about uh, movies like like, for example, uh, the Star Wars series. There's many of us, including myself, who can explain the series in detail and talk about what it means, what they're going through. You can pick pick any movie out, pick any TV series out and, and, and you can actually talk about what it what it deals with, what it is. Um, uh, uh, Songs, you know, you can bring out song lyrics. People can recite song lyrics, but they have a hard time reciting scripture. And so the, the same with movies and TV shows. We can explain what movies are about, but yet we can't explain the gospel. The one thing that saves souls from an eternity in hell, we cannot explain it. And so we're going to break it down. All right. So beginning in Romans chapter one, verses 16 through 17. Here we go. Romans 1, 16, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so we see here that this is what the gospel, Paul knew what the gospel was. This is Paul speaking in Romans 1. 
And this, he is, he is talking about why he is called to do what, 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 what he's called to do and the message he's called to proclaim. And it's the message of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So what I want you to get from tonight's study is this. The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. That's what the gospel is. If you were to walk away from tonight's Bible study with one statement of what of what we talked about, I want you to know this. The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. That's what the gospel is. But but this isn't like like, like in in order for somebody to come to know Christ, you have to be able to explain that. You can't just say this statement to somebody and then them fall on their knees and come to the realization of their sin and shame and, and, and that Christ is, is their redeeming, atoning sacrifice and, and that to put their faith and trust in him, they can be saved. You can't get that from this statement, really. You have to break it down. But this is why we preach the gospel. This is why we proclaim the gospel. This is why we should know the gospel, because it is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. So let's break it down. Let's look at our purpose. As we look at God, man, Christ in response, let's look at our purpose. What were we created for? Genesis 1.1, it tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all things. Before time, God created time. Before, before the earth, he created the earth. He created all things. He created all things from how small they are to how big they are. I mean, from the very, as small as a, as an atom or a molecule to, to, to the biggest star in the universe. God's created all of that. Heck, God created the universe. I mean, that's, that's big. He did all of this. But in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. Now, where does this, where does this get to with our purpose? Check out Revelation 4.11. Revelation 4, 11, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. What does this mean about God? What does this mean about us? What's our purpose? Our purpose, God created us to worship. He created us to worship Him. We were created to worship this reminds me of, uh, uh, so my favorite movie series, actually I, I got several, Star Wars, you know, Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings. Right now I'm going through the extended edition. It's, it's fun. Um, but, but, but one of my favorite movie series is, is Avengers. I, I'm a huge Avengers fan. I love it. Um, uh, but there was one scene in the first Avengers movie where Loki comes out of, out of the museum. He is, he is, uh, he, he's doing his thing of, of, of villainy. He's trying to steal this thing. And, uh, he, there's a huge crowd outside of the museum and Loki, he's, he's, he's a bad guy for all those that don't know what I'm talking about. Loki comes out and, and he tells everybody to kneel. To get on their hands and knees, to kneel. And he tells them, he says, look at yourselves. You were created to worship. You were made to worship. You crave it. And we, we, we were, we were created to worship. Look, look at your lives, guys. I mean, like, what is it that you spend your time and money on? That's what you worship. 
You know, uh, uh, the amount of time you spend on your cell phone, honestly, you make an idol out of it. The, the, the amount of money we spend on our guns or, 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 or books. I mean, like, 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 like that's what, that's what you worship. We have to, we, we have to remember we were made to worship. And there are so many things in this world that, that crave for our attention and we crave to worship things. But ultimately, guys, ultimately, we were created to worship God. That's why God created us. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Listen, understand this. God did not create us because we, because he was lonely. Don't, don't ever, ever, ever think that. And if you ever hear somebody teach that, it's, it is wrong. God did not create us because he was lonely. That means that God needed something. He needed a companionship. He, he needed, he, God doesn't need us. It's purely an act of grace and mercy that, 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 that he even created us. But he created us to worship him, to glorify him. Psalm 150, verse 6, it says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. All of creation was created to worship God. It, scripture tells us that if, that if we do not worship him, the, the stones will cry out and worship him. All of creation was created to worship God, to give glory to God. We were created to worship first because he is worthy of our worship. Man, he, he, he's deserving of all of our worship because of how good and glorious he is. Scripture calls for it. We worship him because he's worthy of it. He's done nothing wrong. He's sinless. He's perfect. Secondly, we were created to worship because he's holy. He's a holy God, a just God, a good God. We were, we were created to worship him because of his holiness. And thirdly, we were created to worship because he is God. Guys, he, he's, he's God. Okay. You've seen the meme where it's, uh, it's where somebody says, nobody can judge me. Only God can judge me. And uh, the guy, I think it's from Jersey Shore or something like that. Uh, uh, he he's got the face, and, and 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 he's like that 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 should terrify you. That only God can judge you. That that should terrify you, because God is God. He's a holy God, and He created us to worship His to worship Him. He created us as His own. He created us to glorify Him. But yet we messed up. We totally ruined it. If we look in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see where God creates man and then, and then God uh, breathes uh, breath into man and, and then God takes a rib out of man and creates wool man and then, and then them two become one and, and, and then God gives them this rule, the one law in the garden to not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what ends up happening? They, they become deceived by the serpent in Genesis 3. They're deceived by him and, and, and Eve eats first and then hands the fruit to Adam and then Adam eats. And then Romans 5 tells us that, 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 that death comes to all men because Adam has sinned. He, he, he sinned. He disobeyed and it's fallen to us, our sinful nature. Guys, our problem is the fact that we are sinful people. Romans 1, again, remember, we're camping out in Romans. Romans 1, 18 through 25. 
Verse 18 starts out with this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now, a little side note, we're going to talk about this later, but this is called general revelation where God has revealed himself in creation. In in other words, his creation is so good when we look at it, we should think somebody created this. Somebody did this. That is general revelation. But listen, general revelation is not enough to save, but it is enough to condemn. Look at the last part of that verse. So they are without excuse. Now, this is why every person needs to hear the gospel. Sadly, guys, Scripture shows us that those who have never heard the name of Jesus, those who have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, they still go to hell. I know that's, that's hard to hear. But think about it this way. If, if, that, it, if that's not true, let's say there's a tribe in, in whatever island that has been discovered and they've, Jesus has never been there. there. There are tribes like that. Many people groups have never heard the name of, the name of Jesus. But if you believe that 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 tribe, because they've never had the opportunity to hear the name of Christ, when they die, they go to heaven. If you believe that, then what you're saying is that the worst thing we can do as Christians is share the gospel to people. It would be better for us to shut our mouths of the gospel so that nobody ever hears the name of Jesus, because then they would go to heaven. Do you, do, do you hear what I'm saying? Romans 10 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. How can they hear if nobody is sent to them? How can they hear if nobody's preaching the gospel to them? Faith comes from hearing. Now that's, that's totally different when it, when it comes to infants and, and, and children and, and uh, mentally handicapped. You know, I believe personally um, that, 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 that babies and, and, and infants and, you know, babies in, in the womb and, and children, uh, uh, you know, they, if they cannot completely comprehend the gospel, I personally believe that they do go to heaven. But it's hard, it's hard to show that from scripture. It, it, it is. But also hear what I'm saying, though, the tribe that has never heard the name of Jesus because of general revelation, they need to hear the name of Jesus in order to be saved. That'll be in a couple weeks. Next verse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than, and worship and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
we see that what this is showing us is, is, is that even though God has revealed himself through creation, that there's this general, general revelation that there is a creator, these people, even though they've known God, have exchanged God for their sin, and they are now worshiping the creature rather than the creator. This is our problem, guys. Our problem is this. Our problem is that we have rebelled against a holy God. We've sinned against a holy God. We can, we can break this down. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. All right. So, so you've got the thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt obey all, you know, thou shalt uh, honor your parents, thou shalt keep the Sabbath, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, all those. And, and, and so when we look at the Ten Commandments, let me go ahead and ask you, have you ever lied? If you're saying no, you're probably lying. Have you ever stolen a- a- anything? That you may not have. I have. Um, ha- I stole my wife's heart. <laughs> uh, no, uh, have you ever uh, committed adultery? You may not have physically committed adultery, but Jesus tells us that if you've committed adultery in your heart by looking at another man or woman, if you've, if you've done that, you've committed adultery. Uh, have you ever murdered? Maybe you've never physically killed anybody, but Jesus shows us in Matthew that, that, that even having anger and hatred towards somebody is just, it, you're killing them. But you see, here's the thing though. Maybe you're saying you, you may, you know, let's just say maybe you, you, you broke one of those commandments. Let's just say maybe you're that good. But James tells us that you have been, uh, even though you've broken one commandment, you're guilty of breaking all of them. But here's the the thing. The breaking of one commandment is cosmic treason. You've disobeyed a holy God. But here's the thing, though. You don't deserve hell because because you, you disobeyed, because you sinned. You deserve hell because you're a sinner. See, we sin because we are sinners. We sin because we've been born sinful. Our problem is that we have rebelled against a holy God. Our problem is that we have the um, sinful nature instilled in us because of the fall in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve took of the fruit. This is why we are suffering with diseases and cancer and COVID-19. This is why we're suffering with hurricanes and tornadoes. This is why we're suffering with war and famine. This This is why we're suffering with all this Horrible things in our world because of sin. That's our problem. We brought this into the world. And we disobeyed God. Now check about it. So, so our sin is deserving of hell. Our punishment should fit the crime. You see what I'm saying? So like, let's just say this. Let's say, you know, uh, 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 Chief TJ Smith over in Oakboro walks into the church right now. And he walks up, he's very nice to me, uh, and, and I walk up to him and I smack him in the face. Let's just say I did that. I don't want to. I like TJ. But I, but I smacked him. What's going to happen? I'm going to get arrested, right? I assaulted a police officer. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to go to, to jail. I'm going to stand before a judge. So as I'm standing before this judge, let's say I get my hands free. And somehow I get free enough to walk up to the judge's stand and then I smack the judge. So the the punishment that I was going to have from just smacking TJ just increased because I smacked the judge because the judge is more important than the chief of police. Correct. 
Well, let's say because of that instance, I, I've now uh, served a prison sentence, but let's say uh, somehow President Trump shows up and I get in front of him and I smack President Trump. If I'm not already shot by Secret Service, boy, I deserve a lot more than after smacking the uh, judge, correct? Well, let's say I smacked God in the face. See, our punishment for our crime, uh, it, it fits the crime because of who it's against. See, hitting Chief TJ and hitting President Trump, the crime is different. The punishment is different because of the level of authority. Can you imagine what the punishment is because we disobeyed a holy and righteous God, the creator of the universe? See, this is why we deserve hell, an eternal punishment for it. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead, dead. I did a Greek study on the word dead. Do you know what it means? Dead. Not dying, not calling out for help, dead. Next verse. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Guys, we deserve hell because of God's wrath. God's wrath because he's a good and just God. All right, let's say I hit that judge. But yet the judge says, you know what? You're a handsome guy. I'm going to let you go because, you know, you're you're a pastor. You probably do some good for the area. You lead your church. I'm going to let you go. Is that justice? No, it's not. Because there has to be something to fit. There has to be a payment to fit that. There, there, There has to be punishment there. Our problem is that we have rebelled against a holy God. Look at Romans 2. Therefore, you have no excuse Oh man, every one of you who, who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. This is coming right after Romans 1, right after Paul is saying that, that, that these people who have, who have denied the creator and are worshiping the creature, they deserve punishment. But these are Jews in, in, in Romans 2 and, and Paul's telling them, you have no excuse. You are just like them. You're doing the same thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. 
Romans 3, 9 through 12 says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, all people, both Jews and Greeks, all people are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. No one does good. We can sit here and so we went on on a mission trip last summer, uh, me and our youth pastor, Robert Leto, and a bunch of our youth and a couple adults. We went to the Myrtle Beach and uh, we did a, a mission trip. We went out onto the beach, onto the strip, and, and, and we shared the gospel with 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 people. And so we would walk up to them and we would ask them the million dollar question because we, we had these million dollar tracks. And uh, we would say, I got a million dollar, a million dollar question for you. Uh, 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 where, where, do you know where you're going when you die and why do you think you are going there? A lot of people would say, well, I think I'm going to, going to heaven. And so we would ask why? Well, because I, I, I've been a pretty good person. You know, I, I, I've never, you know, killed anybody. Uh, I tried to do my best and, 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 and but, but, but you see, here's the, here's the thing, guys. I, I, Isaiah tells us, the book of Isaiah, tells us that our good works are like filthy rags to God. Our good works don't save us because no one does good. Not even one. Our, our, our good works are actually offensive to God. Because it's, it, it's like saying us attempting to be good is just repaying back what we owe Him. The payment, the judgment. No one does good. The people who think that they're saved because they read their Bibles or because they go to church two times a year, Christmas and Easter, or because they, they serve in their church as deacons or Sunday school teachers or because they're pastors. That's not what saves you. Our good works do not save us. Our problem is that we've rebelled a holy God and we deserve judgment and our good works do not pay him back. You can't pay him back. Because the price of your payment is infinite. It's, it's eternal. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. Every single one of us. You've sinned. I've sinned. All of us have sinned. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. The price of our sin, the punishment for our sin is death. What kind of death? Not just a physical death. Because of, of the fall, death has come in, into the world. Now, now we live uh, you know, 100 to 120 years and then we die. Some of us live that long. Some of us don't. But be, death is in our world now. Physical death because of sin. But that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about spiritual death. Eternal separation. Eternal torment. Hell. That's the payment for our sin. Judgment and wrath from God. But thankfully, there's a remedy. Thankfully, God has supplied that remedy by his grace and love. Romans 3, 21 through 26, it says this. But now the righteousness, righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God did that because of our sin. God sent his son to be the remedy. God sent Christ to die for our sins because there had to be a payment. Blood had to be shed to pay for our sins. And God did that for us. God sent his son to die on the cross as the perfect lamb of God to sacrifice. His his blood was sufficient to cover the sins of the whole world. Romans 5, 6 through 11, check this out. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Do do you see that? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Our remedy is faith in Christ and his works on the cross. Our remedy is faith in Christ and his works on the cross. We are saved by works. Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians 2 tells us not, that, that we're not saved by works. You're not saved by works, but you're saved by grace. But understand, we are saved by works. It's not our works. You cannot, there is no amount of good you can be to get into heaven. You got to hear me say that. It doesn't matter. You could be Mother Teresa and you're still damned to hell because you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ yet. You can be so nice. And you can give all your money to the poor. You can give all your, your, your possessions out. You can, you can serve. You can love. You, you can never say an evil word, but hear me say this. You're still destined for hell because you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The remedy is that our, is, is our faith in Him. Our remedy is that we are saved by His works, not ours. His works on the cross It's because of what he did. He lived a life of obedience that we couldn't live. He did not sin once. He did not disobey God once. And then he went to the cross as a perfect spotless lamb of God without blemish. And he died for us to pay the penalty. Scripture tells us that on the cross, he he took the cup of wrath that God's judgment was poured out on him. 2 Corinthians 5, 5.21, one of my favorite verses. I believe it's the gospel in one verse. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ is our remedy. I know now, because of COVID-19, we are yearning for a remedy to this virus so that we can get back to normal. We are yearning for some type of cure, but understand this, 
that there's a, there, there's a much worse sickness in your life right now than COVID-19. And it's your sin. You're sick with your sin. And your sin has separated you from a holy and righteous God. Which is why Romans was talking about being reconciled to him. To have a relationship with him. In the Garden of, 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 in the garden of Eden, Genesis 1 through 3, 3, we see man having a relationship with God, walking in the garden with God. But because of our sin, we have been separated from that relationship. But because of Christ, because he died on the cross for our sin and then rose again three days later to show that he's truly God, to show that, 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 that what he said was true, to show that he keeps his promises and that he's faithful and just and that nothing can defeat him. Because of that, we can now be reconciled to God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Because Christ resurrected from the dead, we too now have a hope in resurrection from the dead. That we too will one day, those who have put their faith in, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will be resurrected. They will be glorified and given a new body. Our remedy is faith in Christ and his works on the cross. So what does that mean for us? We, we've seen that there's our, our purpose when with creation, we were created to worship. But then a problem was is that we, we rebelled against God. We, we did not worship him. We instead decided to worship ourselves, worship our own desires, worship our own lusts. And then we see that a remedy has been made. God sent his son to satisfy his wrath. God sent his son to satisfy his judgment. So what do we do now? We're to respond. We're called to respond. Romans 4, 5, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. We believe. We're called to respond in belief. Look at Romans 10, 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone, hear this guys, this is the big one, Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, guys, everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. That's it. Our response to what God has done is to believe, is to have faith. So do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's our question for you this evening. This is what the gospel is. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned from, have you turned from your sin? Have you died to yourselves and have you turned to Christ? Let him transform you. Let him change you. Let him adopt you. Let him justify you. He's our mediator. He's the one that stands between us and God and pleads on our behalf. 
Guys, and let, let me tell you this. The gospel shows us that all of this was done for love. God sent his son because he loved us. Christ went to the cross willingly and died for us because he loved us. John 13, 1 is one of my favorite verses out of the entire Bible now. Where Jesus says, well, where John says that he loved them till the end. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus' love for his disciples. He loved them till the end. Talking about when he walked to the cross. And he put his life up there. After these men had abandoned him and ran, he loved them till the end. And church, let me tell you, he will love us till the end. And what is so good about that is with Christ, there is no end. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. There is no end with Christ. His his love is never ending and never failing. And he shows us that on the cross. So can I plead with you, if you're, if you're hearing this message and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you do that? Because we have a problem. It's our sin. It separated us from God. But Christ is our remedy. He is, he, he is the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice. And now he's calling us. He's drawing us. So how will you respond? Everyone responds in some way. You either respond by giving your life to Christ or you respond by continuing to harden your heart. So may I plead with you that you respond by giving your life to Jesus. For those that have already believed in Jesus Christ, and this, this may be a reminder to you. This may be news to you. I don't know. But I, I hope that this gospel message is good for you. Because what this shows us, especially for me, lately, one thing that I've been having to continue to remind myself that is that if God's willing to send his own son to save me, to die for me, if God's willing to do that, there's nothing in this world, no amount of suffering in this world that can there's no amount of suffering in this world that that can separate us from God's love. There's no amount of suffering in, in, in this world that can make us think that God doesn't love us. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. For those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is for us. We see that by what He did on the cross for us. And He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be for us. He works out all things for our good and His glory. I, I, I hope that you preach this gospel to yourselves daily. That even though we have a COVID-19 problem, we have a much bigger problem, and that's our sin. But even though there right now is not a remedy for COVID-19, there is a remedy for our sin, and that's good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. The good news is that Christ is our remedy. The good news is that God's provided that for us and that we can freely take of it. I pray you know it. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful. We are thankful that you sent your son to die for our sin. We are thankful that you were willing to do that for us. God, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged and reminded of that that you provided the remedy for our sin.
that you have provided a way for us to be reconciled to you. God, I pray for the believers that you would encourage them with that. That you would remind them that you are good and gracious and merciful and faithful. Slow to anger and steadfast in love. And God, I pray that you would help us in this time to be strengthened by that. God, for the unbeliever that is listening to this message, Lord, grab their hearts, draw them to you. Help them see the amazing truth of the gospel within your word. Help them see that Christ is the remedy for their sin. We are thankful. We are thankful, God, that you have provided that. So use that. God, I pray that you would bless us during this study over the next few weeks. Bless this church. Bless the church. Pray, God, that you would use this opportunity for us. Help us to see this not as a time of crisis, but as a time of opportunity to get get your gospel out. The church grows when it is oppressed and when it suffers. So God, I pray that you are growing the church through this. God, we pray for the families and the neighborhoods and the cities that have been affected so badly by COVID-19. We pray, God, that you would eradicate this virus. We pray, God, that you would help us during this time. We pray, God, that you would comfort us and strengthen us. You are a good God. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So for the next few weeks, come back and join with us next next Wednesday at 6.30 as we look at God. Um, as we look at uh, God as creator, God as holy, God as worthy of all worship, and why it is that our sin is so bad uh, to God. Why, why is, you know, we, we, we kind of touched on it this evening, but we're going to look real deep at it over the next few weeks so we can have a better understanding of it. So please join us, 6.30. Uh, share this video out if you get an opportunity. This is the gospel. Um, I know people can do a much better job articulating it, but let me tell you, nobody can articulate a better gospel. Um, and so I love that. I love the fact that there are people who can articulate the gospel better, but nobody can articulate a better gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what saves us. And so I pray that you would share this, let, let, let people know about it. I hope you were encouraged by it. To my church family, guys, I miss y'all. I love y'all. Um, I really miss y'all. It's so weird teaching um, in, in a sanctuary that is empty. Uh, it is so weird um, teaching to a camera. Um, church, th- this, th- this is not church. I know there's so many people posting on on social media that the building is not the church. You're absolutely right. But the church is meant to be in community with each other. We are meant to be together. We are meant to gather together to encourage each other. And this is hard. This is hard. Um, So be in prayer for your church members. Be in prayer for your pastors and, and, and your church leaders. Um, be in prayer for your shut-ins and your elderly who honestly don't have the opportunity to be online, maybe. Um, and so, um, love you guys. 
Um, I hope to see you back here this weekend, Sunday morning, worship service, and next Wednesday for our Bible study. All right, be good.